Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together in Galatians chapter 5 once again. Uh, We've been uh, knocking on the door of this passage of Scripture for a while, and we've been taking it slow because we tend to, uh, when we read through things in the Bible, uh, sometimes we tend to get in too much of a hurry. We miss the significance of why things are are given to us we miss the significance of of and the importance of why uh, a particular passage of scripture is is shared and and uh, why certain things were written a certain way uh, to be uh, quite clear uh, there's uh, I have the belief that there's nothing in God's word that is not specifically supposed to be there. Uh, that God, God's Spirit didn't just get running off at the mouth and, decide, and just gave us a lot of stuff that we don't need. I, I don't believe there's any of that in the Bible. I think everything in God's Word is there uh, for a real reason. And uh, we've been looking at this passage in Galatians chapter 5 uh, dealing with the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, there's all these different characteristics that we've been looking at. And I have the tendency to say fruits because there's multiple. But this says this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the outpouring of the Spirit. I I feel like uh, what God is trying to help us to understand is, is that there is one fruit it is the fruit of the Spirit, but it is manifest in all these different characteristics that help us to understand uh, how our lives need to, to reflect the presence of the Spirit of God. Now, remember, uh, and I'll go back a little bit, and, and I did this uh, last month, but it's been a couple of weeks since we've looked at this. Just as a reminder, Paul is concerned for the church at Galatia because there's a group of Judaizers. Now, remember what a Judaizer is. is A Judaizer is a person who um, is a Jewish uh, believer. And they, uh, they are looking at these uh, people who are... Uh, 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 Gentiles that want to become Christians and they're saying uh, in order for you to become a Christian you need to follow the law of Moses. You need to begin to follow all of the law of Moses in order to be first Jewish and then you can accept Jesus into your heart and life. And this group of Judaizers is is pressuring these new believers these new converts to live under the law, uh, particularly to be circumcised which was a symbol of of joining into the covenant. Now, there were people that were outside of the Jewish uh, lineage, the lineage of Abraham that became circumcised and became a part of the Israelite nation. They weren't a part of the lineage of Abraham, 
they didn't have full rights, but they, in order to be under the covenant of God and in order to be part of the 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 nation of Israel, uh, they had to follow the laws just like every other uh, descendant of Abraham. And part of that was circumcision. Uh, when God came to Abraham and formed the covenant. He said, not only all of your descendants, but every male who is living in your in your village, in your company, in your household needs to be circumcised as well. That meant all of the foreigners who had been uh, uh, slaves in uh, the employ of Abraham had to become circumcised as a part of the covenant of God. Uh, And a lot of those people were uh, not necessarily slaves in the tradition that we understand, but they were bond servants. They were people who uh, had hired themselves on as uh, uh, hands on the uh, we would call them hands on the farm. Uh, but they would go into battle and fight for Abraham. Uh, remember when uh, Lot got uh, wrapped up in all of that mess with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and they were uh, uh, ransacked and taken prisoner and, and they were being carted off to a foreign land. Abraham got all of his uh, soldiers, that all these men that were a part of his uh, his household that were servants on his uh, in his home, and they went into battle to free them, uh, free all of those people. And so, all of those people, all of those individuals, uh, were circumcised as well. And so, uh, there's a long tradition of people who are not. Uh, of the lineage of Abraham becoming circumcised in order to be a part of the nation of Israel. So (coughs) Paul's argument is is that um, he recalls the fact that uh, that their conversion is of the Holy Spirit. He said, did you come to salvation by the law or by the work of the Holy Spirit? In chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, <coughs> he cites the fact that Abraham didn't have circumcision to begin with, but that God selected him and he had faith in God and followed in faith with God before there was circumcision, before there was a law of Moses. Uh, he followed uh, God God in faith, and and uh, we uh, read the exegesis of a number of the pivotal passages that were widely used among the believers in Galatia, and find the faith that they had in Christ Jesus was not a faith that was grounded in the law, but rather faith that was grounded in the Spirit. And so he begins to mount a series of arguments uh, uh, about uh, the fact that uh, they did not need it to become legalistic, which is what the Judaizers wanted them to do, of uh, of being people that, that were so focused on the law that they forgot the grace that came from the Spirit of God in their life. Uh, and, you know, we have people that to this day, they're not Judaizers, but they're people that want to uh, to talk about all the things that people need to do. And it's as if they're saying, look, you need to get all of this right 
with God first before you become and be a part of our church. And that was kind of what uh, the Judaizers were doing. Get all this stuff right with God first, and then you can come and be a part. It's as wrong today as it is wrong back then. Uh, we are people who come in the Spirit of God, uh, through the Spirit of God, calling us in, through grace. And Paul fears for the welfare and for the effectiveness in ministry. And so he pleads with them to uh, follow his example and where they are uh, open to his teaching and ministry. They are now said uh, 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 at one time they were very open to his ministry and his teaching, but now uh, they have become somewhat against his teaching because of the work of the Judaizers. And so he's trying to reestablish this relationship and help them to understand the teaching that they believed when they first came to know Christ. And Paul urges them to hold fast to the freedom that they find in Christ Jesus. And he equates legalism to slavery, which every Jewish individual understood because they had 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And so they were well aware of, of the... Uh, and many of them were only a generation or two separated from uh, those who uh, separated... Uh, who came out of Egypt, uh, or no, uh, that understood uh, slavery by being in bondage and slavery at one time or another um, uh, as a result of all the things that happened in their life. And so they understood what slavery was. They understood the significance of slavery. And he points to the fact that the grace of Jesus Christ is uh, f uh, gives freedom through faith. And so Paul equates salvation uh, through legalism as works. And he says, look, we don't have a faith of works. We have a faith that is uh, found in the freedom of Jesus Christ. And he encourages them uh, to live in the fruit of the Spirit. He lists before the fruits of the Spirit a whole list of all the things that come with trying to live a legalistic life, all of these sinful behaviors that they had been a part of. He said, look, you're legal... You're following laws only propagated all these sinful behaviors. And he said, uh, you, you had a life full of all the sinful, uh, sinful things. He said, uh, don't be consumed with these things. Walk in, uh, not, uh, walk in the Spirit, not in the, uh, the fullness of lust of the flesh. He says in verse 17, For the lust of the flesh, uh, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things which you would. He says you're not being effective in ministry because you're living a life of legalism that... Uh, that entraps you and causes you to sin more than than fall away from sin. He said, uh, you only understand and know the law and the law just points out where you're doing wrong, but you're still doing wrong. He says you need to live in the Spirit so that you no longer have the desire to, live, uh, to do wrong. He said... Uh, that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh uh, with 
uh, its desires and passions. And so he says in verse 25, he says, We live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, thereby expressing the, fir- uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so he, uh, he, goes on, he begins with uh, love, that uh, wonderful love of God that, that he says is the first fruit of the Spirit. And it is uh, symptomatic with the fact that he is, he's talking about the love that God has for us, the love that God demonstrates to us. It's not a love that is, is consumed with uh, the flesh. It's not love that is a, a phileo love. It's not a love that is based on what you do for me. I'm going to do something for you. He's saying that you need to have agape love. That's the word there for love. And that love is a godly love, a love that loves despite what someone else is doing to you or does for you, uh, whether or not they do anything at all for you. It's a love that that loves the other individual in spite of the fact that they're uh, uh, aggressively mean towards you or, you know, all these uh, uh, situations where where someone might be doing evil against you, where someone is doing uh, uh, all kinds of, uh, of, of things that express hatred towards you. He says, look, God loved you when you were doing all of those things toward Him and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you uh, in spite of the fact that you were doing all those things and you were rejecting God. He says, you need, uh, God continued to sp- express His love towards you. You need to have that same kind of love. And he says, you, you have joy. A joy that was uh, uh, in this expression is uh, one who is in Christ is in the Spirit and joy is associated with the righteousness of God, the peace and the hope. Joy that comes from more than just pleasant circumstances, but uh, the, the uh, understanding that God's peace and God's righteousness and God's hope is found in your life and joy that is seen in uh, celebrating God's uh, 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 place in your life, of celebrating the fact that God is your King, that you are the servant of God. Uh, and he says, this is joy that... And I, I have a hard time explaining this sometimes to people uh, that don't have a relationship with God. Joy is not just simply being happy. Happiness is contingent upon the fact of what's happening in my life. Hey, if I got a lot of money, if I've uh, got a lot of things, if, if everybody's being nice to me, if things are going my way... You can be happy, right? You can be happy at Disney World. Uh, uh, but joy is having uh, uh, this feeling of completeness, this feeling of uh, being uh, victor- having victory over your enemies, of being serv- uh, a servant of God, of, of uh, coming into the kingdom of God, of celebrating God's place in your life despite what's happening in your life, despite the fact that you might uh, be out of work, despite the fact that you might have uh, problems with your health, despite the fact that you might be on your deathbed, you can have joy that has nothing to do with your circumstances and goes beyond just mere happiness. He says you need to have not just love and joy, but peace, and this is the peace that is uh, has the root of uh, the word uh, to join, 
it is a peace that is uh, by implication it has prosperity it's it's uh, being at one with God of with being at peace with God of of having a quiet rest of of uh, having a oneness with God it is a peace that's not just simply uh, the shalom peace that uh, that we're so familiar with but it is it is is talking about of being uh, having a oneness with God and when you are a part of God then you have true peace peace is the universal quest of humanity and uh, though it is uh, uh, defined differently in various uh, philosophical views and culture but to the Greeks and to those who were uh, the traditional readers of this text peace was the aim of life of having serenity or tranquility a quiet mind that was obtained through self-sufficient independence from all that caused trouble in life and peace was viewed uh, as not just a absence of pain but to the Jewish mind peace was in terms that uh, that epitomized the perfection of a relationship in whatever uh, circumstance it, it was something very positive it was everything that makes for a person's highest good and it prompted uh, the best of relationship and so this peace was a peace that was was obtained by being uh, a part uh, of the presence of God in your life of having God so much integrated into your life that you were at peace with him and as such you had uh, such uh, a good rest and and had a um uh, an existence of being uh, perfected. Uh, it was a personal wholeness uh, and it benefited your relationships. It was a hallmark of your life. Um, uh, in Romans, uh, Paul says, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And so Paul is here talking about peace that is uh, having a oneness with God and by having that oneness with God, we have a oneness with others and allows us to have a better relationship with others. And so uh, uh, Paul is, is encouraging them uh, to be peacemakers. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, that we are to be peacemakers, uh, say, uh, saying that the peacemaker was one who will be called the sons of God. And so uh, Paul is associating peace not only with joy, but also with righteousness and hope. Uh, so we are to have peace with, with God and uh, patience. It, this word rarely... Uh, occurs in Scripture, but it is a steadfastness, a long-suffering. It is an attribute of God. And so uh, Paul is calling uh, the people of Galatia to, to demonstrate God towards others in Christ Jesus in their life. And is, he's urging them to live their faith in terms of patience toward one another and to all people. And so uh, we're to have patience. And then last week we looked at kindness. It is a word that uh, classically means excellence. Uh, 
referring to things. It refers to uh, godliness and uh, or goodness and honesty or kindness when uh, and prosperity when it refers to a person. So um, in this context, it is referring to kindness, a kindness that is consistent. Uh, consistently means uh, with reference to God that it is a virtue of being an expression of God. So he's calling them to have a kindness in their life. And the next word is actual, uh, actually uh, goodness, which is uh, another form of the word that means kindness. The, um, the word that is here for goodness, and that's, that's what we're going to look at here for just a moment for tonight, is not found in classical writings or in the works of, of historians like Josephus or even in Jewish sectarian works like uh, the Psalms of Solomon. Uh, now, that's not the Song of Solomon that is in the Bible, but the extra-biblical text that is called the Psalms of Solomon. Um, it does appear in the Septuagint, which is the uh, Greek translation of uh, the Bible, uh, it is uh, uh, it is used in as a synonym of the word kindness, uh, but it also includes an understanding of goodness, of righteousness, and prosperity. In the New Testament, though, uh, it is used several other times in Paul's writing in Romans and Ephesians and Second Thessalonians, but it, it is it is incumbent upon us to understand that Paul here is talking about a goodness that is akin to the goodness of God that has shown towards us. Every other word here that is a fruit of the Spirit is a uh, an expression of characteristic of God. When we become a Christian, we uh, take on the characteristic of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to say that we're uh, a God in the flesh or that we're a Savior or anything like that, but rather that we begin to uh, be, uh, as the term Christian indicates, a little Christ. That's what Christian was all about. And it was, you know, the term Christian was uh, began as a, a derisive type of uh, uh, way of expressing of who Christians were. It was to say, you know, all those people that g- are going around acting like Jesus acted. Well, that was exactly what Christians are supposed to do then as well as to, to this day. We are to go around acting like Jesus. Not that we're going and nailing ourselves to a cross or trying to uh, 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 make... Uh, water into wine or anything like that, but that we have the characteristics of Jesus Christ in our life, that we are showing love, uh, the love of God, that we're showing uh, joy and peace and long-suffering. All of these characteristics are the characteristics in which Jesus demonstrated to His disciples and that need to be a part of our life as well. And so He's saying this is the goodness of God, uh, that He is good towards us. if we were compelled to sit down and write down all the things, take a piece of paper and write down in your life all the ways in which God has, exp- uh, has been good to you. And think about that for a, f- a moment or two. Think about the fact that God has, has not only sent Jesus Christ to, be, to take your place on the cross of, uh, 
for your sins and has taken upon himself the sins of the world, but more importantly of you and me. But God has shown goodness to us. So much goodness. He's allowed us to have the opportunity to, to have another day in which our heart beats. Without even thinking about it, without even uh, uh, being conscious of the fact, our heart beats and supplies our, our body with oxygen-rich blood that keeps every aspect of our body alive. That uh, we have the, the, the strength and the ability to sit up in, uh, in our bed this morning. Not just wake up and, and have the strength to, but that, that the synapses fired all throughout our body and told our body to do the things that we wanted to do. To be able to sit up, to be able to throw our legs onto the floor, and, or not our legs on the floor, but our feet on the floor. Or throw our legs off of the bed and our feet to hit the floor and be able to stand up. You realize what a blessing that is? Just the, the, the act of standing. And there's so many people in this world that have lost the use of their legs, that have lost the ability to stand, that have lost the, uh, the wherewithal to be able to, to even uh, move their body in a position to be able to even sit up. God's given us the, the goodness of the ability to think, to be able to reason and to be able to form sentences and be able to express our, our heart and express our thoughts and express uh, feelings towards others. He's given us another day and another moment to live our life, to serve Him to tell others about Jesus Christ, to be able to do good things that, that demonstrate the love of God in our life and in the lives of others. He's given us a wealth that not only goes beyond taking care of our own needs, but being able to, to help other people, to be able to do good for others. And so God is good. God is so good. In the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of all the difficulties and, and struggles in our life, God is still good. And God is providing for us beyond all of our expectations and beyond all of our comprehension. God is good. The same God that, that created all the celestial bodies that are out in space that man is still discovering new things about the, the planets and, and the universe and all of that, that God created gas giants that, that can hold a million earths in, created you and created the tiny little cells within your body that make you who you are. And the same God that keeps that gas giant spinning woke you up this morning and gave you the ability to draw in breath and to have life. He did that because He loves you, because He's good to you. And He calls us to be good to others. You know, God's good to us even when we're not looking, we're not expecting it. 
So we ought to be good to others when no one else is looking, when no one else sees, when you don't get the credit, when no one knows what you've done. We ought to be good. Why? Because God's been good to us. We ought to be good towards others, not simply because it's the right thing to do, but because that other person is someone that Jesus died for as well. And as such, we ought to love them with everything in our life, just like we love our family, like we love ourselves. Jesus said, love them, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you go out of, the way, out of your way to to take care of yourself, to pamper yourself, to, to feed yourself, to clothe yourself, to put a roof over your head. That's just the beginning. We ought to love others the same way. That's all a part of the goodness of God. And so God is calling us not just simply to be kind towards others, but to be good. To be righteous towards others. To demonstrate the prosperity of God in your life towards others. We're called to be good. Just as peace is not the absent, uh, not only the absence of hostility towards others, but so much more. Goodness is not just the absence of hatred towards others, but so much more. We're to be good. And it's in a way that confounds the world, in a way that goes beyond expectations, in a way that demonstrates how God has been so good to us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I just praise You for Your great goodness. And I praise You for the, the great blessing of Your Spirit in our life. Lord, help us to take upon ourselves the characteristic of Jesus Christ through the indwelling of the Spirit of God that we might demonstrate to the world all that is wonderful about a relationship with You. In Jesus' holy name we pray and ask these things. Amen.